Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Johnson, uh, that is my name. Uh, it's going to be a verse by verse edition with Dr. R. B. Maynard. It's a rainy, gloomy day in Carthage, Missouri, Southwest Missouri, where we're at, and I guess it's not snowing or something like that, right, Dr. R. B. Maynard? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's cold. I've got my coat on today, but yeah, I just I thought I'd make an appeal. You know, we need money. I mean, we can't turn the heat on at the church. Yeah. That's why I'm sitting here in my coat. And you don't even have a coat on. So I am kind of a little bit of Nazi, kind of light Nazi, heat not an air conditioning Nazi at the church. So the staff they're always, you know, turning it up and then I turn it down and they're like, Pastor Jeremiah won't let us turn on the heat up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you gotta save it someplace. Yeah, exactly. So. so And that's a joke. We're not <laughs> we didn't turn the heat off at the church. So Right. Yeah. That's a joke. Well, verse by verse, we get into the word. We're in First Kings chapter 19, but I guess, you know, we're on the verge here. I think the next time we'll have our next episode or next show, mm-hmm. we could potentially have a president or new president or mm-hmm. new if, country or. If we uh, know by them. <laughs> They yeah, say we may not that's know. That's I said for, potentially. Yeah, so no. we, it, might, it might come be a live announcement we do on the show. So with that in mind, uh, would you like to give your your vote who you're voting for? Uh, I'm, Kanye, voting, I'm uh, voting for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, voting for Jesus. So anyway, you know, we're Christians. We're conservative Christians. So you probably might have a guess where we're leaning towards in that mm-hmm. regards. But anyway, First Kings chapter 19. Uh, but we do encourage you listen with us uh, each and every week. Grace One Daily Podcast. Like, share, subscribe. Share it with someone. Let's get into the word. Okay. 19, First Kings 1919. 19. Uh, Elijah has... Uh, been in a little bit of a downturn he's been uh, depressed and the lord comes along and you know it's kind of like what are you doing here get up i'm not done with you and so um and he he tells him to go from where he is don't be hiding out in the cave and uh, things are not that bad i'm still i still have something for you to do so 1919 says so elijah went from there and found elisha son of shaphat he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, uh, this is another one of those, you know, sometimes when you read in the Bible, you'll read through stories and it's like, eh, that doesn't really um, say anything to me or I don't really ever remember reading that. But, you know, if you've been in the church very long and you've probably preached at some point on this, um, this topic, I guess, but this whole thing with the calling of Elisha and I... I have trouble with this. Uh, you know, it's like, Lord, couldn't you have found somebody with a little bit different name? I get a little <laughs> tongue-tied between Elijah and Elisha sometimes. But but this is uh, Elijah looking for basically he doesn't know it, and it hasn't been worded that way, but it's going to be his replacement. And uh, it's a little bit of a, a mentoring. And I know we've talked about it before within churches. Sometimes churches, uh, their sons, you know, the pastor's son becomes the pastor at some point, or he pastors a, um, whatever, another satellite church. Uh, just think, I mean, you could be here long enough, your sons could become mm-hmm. the pastor. Yep. You know, of this church. And that, <laughs> that's funny to think about, but, yeah. you know, yep. could be. But anyway, he's he's a mentor in this 12, the 12 pair of ox, oxen. Um, you know, Elisha is probably not a poor man if you've got you know a lot of people during that time i mean if you had one set of oxen to be able to plow and and do your your work you know you were considered probably middle income but if you're in charge of 
12 pair. We don't know that he um, he was plowing with them, but we don't know that he owned all of them. But, but the whole thing is he, Elisha doesn't need a job. I mean, this is not a situation where he's sitting by the road someplace and somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, would you like to – would you like to be a prophet? <laughs> Would you like to be a pastor? Let me uh, let me take you along with me and uh, give you a little bit of training, give you a job, and that kind of. He doesn't need uh, a job, and this whole thing of, of throwing the the cloak around him. Uh, you know, some of the things I read says it's not really literally like taking off his cloak and throwing it over his head, or you know, putting it around his shoulders or whatever. That it, it probably was more of a just a brushing up against him, and I know that seems like, well, that's kind of weird, but if you think about uh, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, she was like, if I could just touch mm-hmm. the hem of the garment, you know, I could be whole, so that there is something about, I know we don't, you know, practice that today, but um, there is something about that. In other words, they, they think it was more like uh, maybe just the corner of it brushed up against him or laid over his leg or, you know, whatever the case may be as a as a symbol, I guess, of transferring of anointing. We kind of have talked about that before, too. But, yep. um, you know, and Elisha probably could have just thought, I mean, if he's close enough and, you know, is it, a, in other words, is it a deliberate action or would you look at that like, oh, it's just an accident. He just brushed up against me or, or whatever. But I, I wonder if, and we don't have every detail. I've always said, you know, when we go to heaven, uh, we can meet Elijah and Elisha and, you know, get more details about it. But I wonder if if God hasn't spoken to Elisha and said, hey, you know, I know you're out here working, but and I know you've got a job. I know you've got an income. I know you're not looking to be a prophet or, or to be mentored by anyone, but there's going to be this guy come along, and you're going to know when he comes who it is and, and that that's your call to ministry. And then all of a sudden, you know, and sometimes you might think, well, you know, am I hearing from God or am I just dreaming Mm -hmm. about my future? But uh, I think when Elijah came along, probably it was like, this is the guy. You know, you're going to know when he comes that he's he's the guy. And it says, I mean, and this is amazing. It's an amazing story about how quickly everything unfolds. It says, Elisha, in verse 20, then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? This seems like a little bit of a, well, why did you say anything to start with if you weren't going to follow through with it? But, uh, you know, I think Elisha, maybe God has already been speaking to him about it. It's not like it just happened that day. You know, maybe as a small boy. You know, maybe God had spoke to him and said, you know, someday I'm going to use you. Someday you're going to be doing more than, you know, working a farm someday. And, and I don't know how old these guys are, but I, you have to wonder if maybe he didn't think someday had passed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, Greg and Kelly are an, an example of that. I don't know, you know, about their early calling in life or whatever, but I don't think they thought they'd be at Grace Point Assembly of God you know, as uh, in training as associate pastors, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they thought that was going to happen. And if God did speak to them, um, I don't. How old are they? Fifty. Uh, 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 Greg's forty-two, I think. 
42? 42. Yeah. But, uh, but at that age, I don't know. Don't tell him I said he he's, was 50 yeah. years old. Oh, man. That's all right. He probably thought I didn't need Uh-oh. a mask the other day when I was playing a 90 year old. So, right. Um, but anyway, uh, and this, you know, maybe it was a test by Elijah to see is Elisha going to be serious about that? You know, in other words, are you willing to leave your job? Are you willing mm-hmm. to leave your family? Uh, and he says, What have I done to you? You know, again, and if you bring that into today's world, if Greg is here, and I know Greg and Kelly both are in ministry, but if Greg's here, and I think Greg left a a pretty good job Mm -hmm. and and gave up quite a bit to come here, and you could have, you know, this could have been the same scenario in our world today. You could have called Greg and said, hey, Greg, you know, I'd like for you to do this. And Greg says, okay. You know, I need to sell my house, quit my job, you know, mm-hmm. do those things. And you hang up the phone, and you're like, what have I done? I mean, I'm going to pull this guy away from, you know, and I know it's yeah. God calling, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You right. can still feel, um, you know, bad about uh, being part of him losing a good job, a nice home, and, and then sacrificing those things to come here. Mm-hmm. And this is not a large church. He's not going to make a lot of money. You know, working working here. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, and I honestly, we don't plan on him working here forever, <laughs> and that's not because we want to be yeah. rid of him. Yeah, but um, and that's a interesting for me. I guess I it. Uh, I'm glad I started out right out the gate in ministry because a lot of people, a lot of people, when they receive a call of God like that, it may be a, a full time or vocation call. That a lot of people that that will do it later on life. They want to have mm-hmm. everything lined up, right. like. Right. Okay, well, I want to know that I'm going to have this and have that. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I just know at this point, that's not how it works. Right. right. <laughs> it's, yep. it's always, I mean, yes, there's some things I have set in stone in one sense, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, I'll go into ministry if I know this, 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 right. and this. And it's like, well, that's not really how it works. So mm-hmm. that's why most people don't do it. Well, and I've said many times, <laughs> Lord, if you want me to do something besides what I'm doing, you know, I, I said, he needs to hit me upside the head and, and you know, write it on the wall, and mm-hmm. I mean, have it confirmed by three witnesses, or you know, whatever the case may be. Because I'm, I'm kind of a homeboy. You know, I'm not planning on going anywhere. I don't have any ambitions of, of working in ministry in Florida or or whatever. And so, for God to call me, I mean, I really have prayed that prayer, Lord. If there's something else, you know, I I really need to know mm-hmm. because I'm not looking for. <laughs> I'm not looking for a move. I'm not looking for a new home and those kind of things. So, you know, money, uh, family, familiarity with things, you know, leaving your your friends. I mean, you had friends in other places that Mm -hmm. you've been before. You leave those friends there and and move on to something else. And and the other thing is he's calling him into the area of prophecy, and prophets are not popular. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is not like, hey, I, you know, you're going to be a great minister and, man, people are going to be watching your podcast and people are going to be flocking to the church to see you and mm-hmm. you're going to make a bunch of money. And uh, this was like, uh, I'd like to call you to probably the least favorite mm-hmm. person in ministry would be the prophet. Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, I think that's true in today's world because there's so much skepticism that – if we have someone who um, who claims to be a prophet or uh, has a word of prophecy or whatever, you know, and I'm guilty of it, 
you kind of back up like, mm, I, I don't know. I, I mean, is that really God or is that person, you know, uh, proud and, and thinks that they've always got a word from God or is it really God? And so I'm not sure that it's much different today that, that the prophets might not be the most uh, popular people around. So mm-hmm. uh, 1921, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So this is uh, someone who, it, it would, again, it would be like with, with Greg coming here, if he said, well, okay, we'll come to Carthage. We'd like to just rent an apartment. I don't want to sell my house yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just rent an apartment and and see how it goes. You know, we'll see how yeah. if we like minute, we'll see if we like the church. We'll see if we like Carthage and and there are people like that. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> you think they're being called, yeah. but it's like not a hundred percent called. Mm-hmm. I remember one time when I was going to uh, Way of the Cross Ministries down in in Texas, Mexico. Uh, somebody said, and I'd only been down there maybe two or three times, and. Uh, Somebody said, well, what do you want to do, you know, ministry-wise? What, do, In other words, what do I want to do? Not what's God calling you to do, but what would you want to I said, well, if I had my choice, I'd go home and sell everything and come down here and work full-time. But, you know, when I went home, it wasn't, you know, you can get caught up in the excitement mm-hmm. of ministry. Right, yep. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I want to come down here. Well, but you're not there every day you haven't seen the struggles and <laughs> yeah and things it's it's kind of like <laughs> i said i had to file eviction papers today people say man you got rental property and you know you got all that money from rental property well you come follow me around go look at the houses go look at what you have to deal with listen to the people who <laughs> lie and steal did you see and, that at walmart they have the carthage opoly carthage monopoly have oh, you seen I that, seen that huh? like they have clearly haven't sold them very many because they're still like hundreds left oh, in yeah. boxes but are you any of your properties on that game we'll yeah. have to check it out probably so it's probably the in carthage it's under go to the go to jail <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do not pass go do not collect no that would be me don't no i, I never much. realized that though until we just read that right now that of, of burning the oxen and things mm-hmm. like that that that's amazing that that complete surrender and things of that nature right that right. full commitment i i remember when i first went to utah and I maybe this should have been a sign when I went to Utah and I, we moved there, bought a house right away. And a lot of people in church were like, why are you buying a house already? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, well, I was raised under, um, ever, uh, we had parsonage. There used to be a yes. parsonage over on Grand Street and the pastor lived in the parsonage. And when uh, Brother Henson came, uh, he had a, a house. He had bought a house. And so, you know, he didn't want to live in, a parsonage he wanted his own house mm-hmm. and so that's kind of fate i don't even know how many churches have parsonages anymore but there may be some around but yeah but you know that is true what why would you why would you sell why would you buy a house when you don't know how things are going to work what if three months from now the church kicks you out i mean <laughs> and you're stuck yeah. with the house and so this i mean it really is total surrender i mean he is he's doing something that there's no going back and I, again i I know this is not the Greg show this morning, but but that is part of what they did. They sold everything, quit good jobs. Uh, I think Kelly liked her job that she had had worked there. You know, it wasn't like 
man, we've, we've been looking for an opportunity to get out of all this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they, they gave up everything. And I think people forget about that and fail to appreciate that with, with people who come as pastors, associate pastors, whatever it may be. Um, but we were talking about the way people do as missionaries today, and I just wrote down kind of a little uh, scenario of if you were called to missions today, and I think you've talked about your daughters feel called in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that they're set in stone how they're going to do it, but but somehow called into ministry. But but I said you can be called as a child. I learned everything I could in church. I went to college, got a missions degree, approved by a missions board, raised all my funds, and now I'm a missionary. In other words, there was there was a sequence of events to become a missionary mm-hmm. with the Assemblies of God, the, the Baptist, whoever whoever it is. Well, same thing with, with a pastor. You know, generally your pastor is not just some guy you like who knows something about the Bible, and so mm-hmm. you let him be the pastor. I mean, that does happen occasionally. Yeah. But um, and, and, and there's no guarantee because you've been to Bible school and pastored in another church. That's still no guarantee that you, that mm-hmm. you – that God's called you into that and that you're really going to be successful with that. But, but Elisha says, <laughs> I mean, this is the, the missionary at that time. All I need to do is go kiss mom, dad, goodbye. I mean, it's like right now, mm-hmm. I, it's just that whole story is, is so amazing that you, you know, what are you, are you going to go home and say, uh, mom, dad, I, I'm leaving. I just want to kiss you goodbye. And they, they're like, well, what about your, uh, what about your plowing equipment? What about your, Oh, I, we burnt those and use the fire to cook the meat and that's all gone you know and it's and it's not even you know he could have sold those things right I mean, yep. that's that's what's i mean he could have sold those so okay if i sell that and if i sell that then maybe i'll have enough money to be able to buy my food and have a place to live and stuff as we as i travel with elijah but i mean this was total i mean he burned burned the stuff up so there's no getting it back and then they ate the meat. It's like that's that's really total mm-hmm. uh, surrender. All I need to do is kiss mom. Dad. I don't. You know, I'm cutting all ties to where I am. No more oxen. No more plowing equipment, and and giving up your job, your family, familiarity, friends, prestige you have in the church. You know, I I'm not. I don't know whether prestige is the right word, but even for me, I think. If, if God were calling me somewhere else, I mean, this really is home to me mm-hmm. because I've been here sure. so long. Yep. It really is. I mean, this is home, family. I mean, I see people at the church way more often than I see my family. Mm-hmm. And and not that I'm not that I'm opposed to asking my family for prayer, but I'm here. I mean, you're the first line, and the church is the the first yep. line, second line, whatever for for prayer and all of those things. So. It may not be prestige, but for me, if I were looking at at leaving here, it's like, man, I, you know, I love teaching my Sunday school class. I love, not that it's a spiritual thing, but I love being, uh, well, second to LMA. But, yes, you know, because I wasn't consistent. <laughs> but she's probably watching right now. Mm-hmm. She probably saying that she listen, make make sure I give her credit. But yes, but anyway, I, and and on the on the flip side of that, you had. In the New Testament, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, you know, what must I do to, to get eternal life? And he says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says, he went away sad. 
And why? Because he was rich. Yep. I mean, it's, I don't mean to say it's easy, but it's easier if you don't have anything to give up. Mm-hmm. It's easier if you're like, man, sure, I'll, I'll come to the church. I, you know, again, with Greg, if he'd have said, I'll come to the church, man, I, you know, I'm out of a job right now. Uh, my rent's due and I can't pay it. You know, Kelly just lost her job. You know, I guess God maybe is trying to tell us. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll, you know, we'll do that. But, but that rich young, young ruler had plenty to, to give up and he, it, he went away sad. I mean, and, and I, we don't know this again, I guess we can ask when we get to heaven, but I've always thought, I wonder if God would have said, if he'd have said, okay, I'll give up everything. I wonder if God would have said, I just wanted to know if you were willing, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make you do it. Yeah. You know, and I, again, we don't know that, but I think that's a scenario. Sometimes God just wants to know if we have the willingness it, it, it's the same scenario as somebody who holds a gun to somebody's head and says, denounce Christ or I'm going to kill you, mm-hmm. you know? And when you say, I'm not denouncing Christ and they say, I just wanted to, I just wanted to know. I just want to know if you were serious about all this. Yeah. But it's true. You know, it's just true. I, I have uh, old enough to know now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have met a, a good portion of people that, you know, I got this call. I got this, I'm going to do this for the Lord, but they just can't give it up. They just right. can't leave a, a place of comfort, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be money or, you know, income or, you know, that they have right. and, and surrender that and go after it, you know, right. and some people, you know, don't know what that's like. And I don't know what that's like to extreme, extreme levels, right. but I know what that's like to surrender and just, just, uh, mm-hmm. take leaps of faith. I really do know what that's like. And a lot of people don't know what that is, you know, and uh, you know, the, the ever, the question I could always pose is, you know, unfortunately, what could those people have done or experienced or encountered by taking that leap of faith, you know, and, uh, praise God. And it may be that, you know, people would become so discouraged. They wouldn't, you know, God knows us, you know, he knows our personality and, and he knows what choice we're going to make. So when people say, well, God just wanted to see if you were willing you know, he knows if you're willing, but I think sometimes it's for our sake, not for his sake. It's, you know, he knows whether we're willing or not. He doesn't, it's like, oh, I didn't know they were going to make that decision or, or whatever. So, you know, and someone told me one time, and I think it was actually a pastor, which probably is not great advice from a pastor, but he made that statement. He said, do, if you think you're called, so, uh, you know, you, you think as a, as a young person, you've been called to the mission field. And he made a statement. He said, do everything you can not to fulfill that. And if God is still calling you, you know it's, you know it's God. I don't know that that's, uh, you know, I, I get where he was coming from, that if you uh, try to not do it, but you still feel that urgency. And, you know, I can't imagine, and I know you've talked recently about uh, friends of yours that, you know, were in ministry mm-hmm. and now they're not in ministry. Yeah. And I think if, if God truly called someone to ministry and you're not in ministry, I don't know how you really live peacefully. Yeah. No, that, yeah, That's, I don't either. So I, I get what they're saying here. If you can do something else and be comfortable, then maybe you weren't, maybe you weren't called. 
Mm-hmm. But I think people that are truly <laughs> called who I, I can't help believe that there are people who have left the church. Now, some people found another church, I don't, I, so mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. But there are people who have left the church who are not going to church anywhere. And, you know, we won't name people, but we know people like that. And I can't imagine when you've been raised in the church, you've called this your church home. Was that was that a game all those years? Mm-hmm. I mean, were you just saying what people, what you thought people wanted to hear? Oh, this is my church. I love the people here. This is my family. And yeah. <laughs> but yet you can walk away mm-hmm. without even saying goodbye. Yeah. That's what's. I mean, you can walk away. It'd be, it'd be like a young, like one of your daughters. You know, you go home uh, this evening. Of course, there. Uh, I guess Zoe's old enough; she could take off on her own. I hope she doesn't do that. But yeah, <laughs> you know, if it's Gabrielle, you probably go get her. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you're going to try to get Zoe too. But but I'm just saying, if you went home tonight, it's like, uh, hey Rachel, where's uh, where's Zoe? Um, she went to Florida to Bible school and you're like, I mean, you know, you want to be proud that she's going to Bible school, but really she just walked off and didn't say goodbye. I mean, how heartbreaking mm-hmm. <laughs> would that be with your, with your actual family that they just move away and, or even worse that Zoe's still living right here in town, but you don't ever get to see her. You know, she didn't say goodbye. She didn't come in and say, hey, Dad, I want to kiss you goodbye. I, mm-hmm. I feel like God's called me here and where you could kind of understand that. But she just, all of a sudden, she's not there. And that's what, that. you know, I can say I've been angry about people who have left, but I've also been hurt by people who have left. That it's like, And, and I know they're not responsible to, to me personally. They're responsible for their own spiritual life. But that they've just walked off, and now I never see them, never talk to them. I used to see them every week, you know, like family. Mm-hmm. And I would see them every week and talk to them and have prayed, and they've either they've sat in my class or, you know, you've had a relationship, not just somebody who they sit in the back corner and you sit in the front corner and you never speak. And there are people like that in the church sometimes. But sometimes it's people who are close, and they just – uh, can walk away, and so I don't know where we <laughs> where we got off on that here. But yeah, the only point I wanted to make uh, real quick too was in receiving this calling is I I I this is the the where I find myself, and maybe it's with age or as you see how quickly life can move. But his response to it was again, uh, well, let me pray about it. Mm-hmm. Let me let me fast and pray about it. Let me, right. you know, we really in America, we make these cop outs. Mm-hmm. And I go back to uh, one people group. If you ever research them, the Moravians back in the day, and they're a great missions movement. And their mentality was, is we, we will assume that God is telling it. And we will only, uh, okay, I'm trying to walk this out right. They would always assume that God was telling them yes, rather than no. So, so basically they mm-hmm. would, like when it came to missions, like, instead of waiting for God to give them a green light, they just went and did right. the work of God. And so let's say just an example of being like, I wonder if God wants us to, uh, you know, go do missions in China. So, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Their response was like, well, we're going to wait for God to tell us 
no, we're, we're going to go do missions in China and we're going to wait for God to tell us to stop doing missions in China or wait. So they reversed the mentality to say, we are going to assume that God is calling us. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be the kind of people that sit around and say, well, we're going to pray about it. Right. You know, like it's like, and so I think we would do much better to take on that mentality in, in the things God calls us to do and taking leaps of faith you know, things that nature, it could be like, you know, when we're managing the life, of the church it could be like, Oh, I mean, I guess to me, I would say as long as it's not detrimentally bad, but right. you say, okay, we do next week, we do heaven's gates and hell's flames mm-hmm. and it just bombs, you know, it's like, Oh my goodness. Well, wasn't it worth mm-hmm. doing it than not doing it? You know, wasn't it worth attempting right. to do something for the Lord than not doing it and saying, mm-hmm. well, let's just pray about it for a while. You know, those things, I think that if we would just take more steps of faith, be more radical, you know, and uh, I'll call out, well, this is where I struggle a little bit with my own uh, fellowship. I'm a part of mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when it comes to missions is like, you know, every missionary, I talked to a missionary the other day, Hey, I can't go, go back on the field until I raise this amount more money. Right. And, it has to be 100% raised. Mm-hmm. And I just don't always see, always, I don't see that in scripture <laughs> necessarily right. Right. that, you know, that, um, I understand being wise and mm-hmm. <laughs> good stewards, yeah. but I, again, I, I see in the word people who, when they abandon God to pursue a call that he gave them, there was always provision there, mm-hmm. uh, supernatural provision. And right. I don't think that God has changed. I think he's still got a super, we just don't always give him the chance to be supernatural. So I would encourage individuals, churches, take more steps of faith, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, now if you're gonna be like for us, if you're gonna, if it's gonna be a, the type of faith uh, that, hey, we're gonna wipe out the entire bank account mm-hmm. kind of step of faith, yeah, I'd, I would pray about that one and right. it real feel uh, a cohesive, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sense of unity on that one. I'd right. still say do it if, right. if at the end of that, like it seems good to the Holy Spirit. But I love this call, how he responds to the call. It wasn't like, well, let me, like you said, let mm-hmm. me sell this. Let me get everything in, in right. ready, lined up and ready to go. It's just, it just doesn't seem to be how great men and women of faith operate right. in scripture. I've always said, usually when someone says, I'll pray about it, you might that just means no. I mean, <laughs> right. that's pretty much the, <laughs> the idea behind it. And so, and I've prayed, I've prayed at times where, you know, I didn't, buying a house, you know, to remodel or as a rental property or whatever, there's been times where I've prayed and I've been like, Lord, you know, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to buy this house? Or, and I don't necessarily hear God, yes, buy the house you know, mm-hmm. that booming voice. <laughs> and so sometimes it's like, okay, you know, the Lord's given me some wisdom and some knowledge in doing these things. So sometimes my prayer has been, okay, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to proceed. I don't, I don't feel a no. I don't feel a booming yes. So I'm going to proceed, but please stop me. Please stop me if this is the wrong move. Mm-hmm. And I have had, you know, I've been in, in, real estate and stuff for a lot of years and i have had situations where i've gone back well not gone back but looked back i drive by a piece of property or something i'm like i am so glad i didn't get that (laughs) that would have been a disaster or whatever so this thing about praying for for god's will i when i was praying about buying a truck to take stuff to mexico one time 
I, I was praying about it and it was like, Lord, do you want me to buy a truck? Do you want me to do this? I just don't, I don't know what, whether it's the right move. I'm not a truck driver. I'm not a guy who likes to travel, you know, but, but I just felt, you know, the need, I guess. And I, you know, I didn't hear the audible voice. Sometimes I think God's voice is almost more like you talking to yourself sometimes, but I just, I just felt like the Lord said, why would I not want you to do that? Why would I not want you to have a truck that would take supplies to hungry people, that would take clothing, building materials, everything else that I hauled in? Why would I not want you to do that? And it was like, okay. That was, you know, it wasn't a booming, go to Mexico, go buy a truck, go do this, go do, I didn't have this great booming voice. I just had that subtle, why would I not want you to do this? Mm-hmm. And I think ministry is that way. If you're going to say, I'll pray about it, why don't you just say, well, I'll just do it. And, you know, if it's a big no, then God will tell me no. But yeah. right now I don't hear no. Mm-hmm. I hear yep. there's a need and it needs to be done. And so, it, you know, that's that's the way it is. So we're going to quit. We're on chapter, getting ready to move to chapter 20. So. We'll just call it quits there. I think uh, Dr. R.B. Maynard and I, we're going to leave the show. We're going to go play a, a game of Carthageopoly and see who's the better real estate <laughs> man, yeah. myself right. or Dr. R.B. Maynard. Right. Hey, yeah. it's been Verse by Verse, Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>